Hello everyone, this is Pastor Jay Tyler from Holt Assembly of God, and I want to thank you for joining me for this broadcast of Life in the Spirit. I hope you enjoy the message and pray that you are challenged, blessed, and encouraged as you hear God's Word shared in this message. This morning we're going to start a new series entitled Back to the Basics, and uh, it's my hope that the series will encourage you to, to re-engage the basics of our faith. And uh, there are plenty of examples in Scripture. I'm going to concentrate on one as we open up here this morning. And that's where Jesus speaks to John, and it's in the Revelation. And what he's doing is it's with the seven churches. And specifically, we're going to concentrate on uh, what Jesus is speaking to John to relay to the church of Ephesus in Revelation 2.5. It says, Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first work. So just focus on that for just a second. Repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. God is calling the church to go back to the beginning. Go back and do first things first. Reorient yourself. Uh, go back to the drawing board, or basically just go back to the basics, and that's what we're trying to communicate throughout this series. So spiritual disciplines are what brings us back to the basics. And so if you're like, well, what is a spiritual discipline? It's just simply spiritual disciplines are habits, practices, and experiences that are designed to develop, grow, and strengthen certain qualities of our spiritual life. So the purpose of spiritual disciplines is the development of our inner being. So important, isn't it? And, and which is being changed. It's changed that salvation. But listen, just because you're born again, the work has just begun. There's a process of the, the spirit being built up and the inner man being put to death. And I don't know about you, God's still working on me. But uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. Definitely, if you are born again, something has happened in your life. There's been an experience. But that experience is not the end of itself. There's a process, and that process is a transformation. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes in and just continues to change our lives. So what we want to do is give Him opportunities to transform our lives. So we need to be diligent about, diligent about strengthening our inner man, and spiritual disciplines are tools that will facilitate growth. We have our, our inner nature, which is born again, which wants to do the right thing. It wants to follow God, serve God, but then we have flesh to deal with. And sometimes the flesh is very strong. So what happens is spiritual disciplines help us to basically get a grasp on that flesh and be able to resist that and put it down while also opening the, opening the door, facilitating life to our inner man, strengthening us. Here's the fact of the matter. Which one of those little boogers are most powerful or what's going to dictate what you do, what you say, your attitude? So this is what Paul had in mind, I believe, when he's talking about in Colossians chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in the knowledge according to the image of him who created him. This old nature that we deal with and there's this new inner nature that, that we must put on. And uh, spiritual disciplines are what help us to, to put on the new nature and to put off the old nature. So we need to re-engage the basics of our faith because they are essential. Listen, none of us have arrived to that place spiritually where we're like, I can't learn anymore, I can't grow anymore. If that's the case, we're going to back up because Jesus is coming for you. So I don't know about you, I'm, I'm way back behind in the process. i got a lot of growing to do. Spiritual disciplines help facilitate that growth. So the first spiritual discipline we're going to talk about or visit is it's the most important one. 
And it's, it's the Word of God. It is the Word of God. All, I'm going to say this, all other spiritual disciplines hinge on this one. All spiritual practices hinge on this one. Okay, listen, again, I, I'm Pentecostal. I don't know anything other than the Assemblies of God or Pentecostalism, but I know this, that my experiences are important, they're vital, but that will not sustain me. It's the Word of God. And I don't know how many times I've, I've seen this even in, in pr previous churches where we almost promote a, an, an addiction lifestyle. You know, come to church, get your spiritual fix, go on and get you through the next day, come back again. No, no, no. That is absolutely wrong. There's nothing wrong with experiencing God in His presence, right? But you are not supposed to go from experience to experience like that. We are to draw on the power and the presence of God daily. And thank God His Word is available to us. And what we train people to do is really to rely on the church, rely on church services. And that is the wrong thing. But listen, thank God that you can walk into a service, you can encounter God, have an experience with Him. But I'm telling you this, there, listen, the church isn't always open. Services aren't always going. The music isn't just always right. The message isn't just always right. But I can tell you this, you can open up this book and God will speak to you, amen? So I'm just saying this, that we have got to to learn this as, as Pentecostals, it goes back to the Word. It always goes back to the Word. All spiritual disciplines, I don't care if you are a prayer warrior, I don't care if you can call down fire from heaven. I don't care if you're the most expressive, genuine worshiper, that you're just passionate, but you just ooze the presence of God. Listen, all spiritual disciplines, all spiritual growth will go back to this, your relationship with the Word of God. If you go to our website or if you visit the, the Assemblies of God, the national website, you'll find this. You open up you know, the page, you'll see that beliefs, and you'll click on beliefs. And number one, the number one uh, fundamental truth that we have, and I think it's vital, is this, that we believe the Scriptures, both the Old and New Testament, are verbally inspired of God and are the revelation of God to man, the infallible authoritative rule of faith and conduct. So we believe both Testaments are inspired. Listen, the New Testament is not more inspired than the Old and vice versa. The same Holy Spirit that inspired folks in the Old Testament is the same Holy Spirit who inspired folks to write in the New Testament. So we believe the Scriptures are perfect. They're incapable of being an error. Therefore, please hear me. Boy, this ruffles Pentecostal feathers wrong sometimes. I don't know why. It's the cornerstone of our faith. But listen... It is incapable of being error, and therefore it is the highest authority. The highest authority. When people say, well, someone, I must obey the Holy Spirit. Well, listen, the same Holy Spirit who inspired these folks to write is the same Holy Spirit that's speaking to you. We believe in an all-powerful, all-knowing God. Therefore, the same Holy Spirit that is speaking to us, or we feel is speaking to us, is the same Holy Spirit that has inspired the writers of Scripture. So that's why we always go back to the Word. In spite of our feelings, in spite of our experiences, I don't care how dramatic they are or how incredible they are or how miraculous they may seem, we've always got to go back to the Word because the Word and the Spirit will always agree. Same Holy Spirit who inspired the writers of Scripture are, is speaking to you today. So if there's a conflict between what you feel like God is saying to you and what God is saying, the conflict, listen, there is no conflict. The word is right, period. The word is right, period. 
So if there's a conflict with what we think the Bible says and what we're feeling the Holy Spirit say, then we're, what we're sensing is wrong. And that's the problem. Sometimes we just don't like to be wrong. I know I heard from God. Well, I can't tell you how many times. I know I heard from God. People pull the God card. I heard from God. I heard from God. Sometimes people do. I'm not saying that we don't. But I can't tell you how many times there's been crazy things that have happened in the body of Christ. Crazy things and just throughout my experience in ministry, people pull the God card God says. All right, we'll see then. And, you know, as a pastor, I'm like, I want to, I want to spare you from the embarrassment. I want to spare you from making the wrong decision because let's go back to, have you really filtered what you feel and think God is saying to you through his word? And most of the time is this. No, they don't. What we need to do is we feel like this. If there's conflict, God's trying to speak to me, lead me to do something, but I feel like it doesn't really add up with the word but I've been feeling very strong about that. Didn't do this. Get someone else who is a mature believer, someone you know who is in the Word, and say, will you help me with this? See, that's where we don't like to do it. We don't like to have people help us. I don't know why. Why that happens. That's just pride that stands in the way. And what we need to do is this. We need to have someone to come along our side and say, listen, why don't you look at these verses here and let them speak to you and let them challenge what you feel like the Lord's speaking to you. You know, often if we just have that little bit of encouragement, that little bit of, of guidance, it straightens itself out. But we want to bypass this. And here's really what it comes down to. And I'm sure I've been here, I'm sure we've all been here before, where we get to a place where we're like, I'm not for sure if God is wanting me to do this, but I'm going to make it fit anyway. It was a little gray area. How about that? So we're going to make it black and white now. It happens. It happens. And so many times... When you go through that process and you're like, man, I messed up, uh, and you look back, you're like, you know, I know it was black and white, but I wanted it to be a little gray. The Word of God is the authority in all matter. So some Christians treat the Bible as information, and it is information, it's, it's, but it's not, it's not just information, it's revelation, right? It's revelation. And sometimes we think that we're lured into this, especially in, in, in just any type of of Christian setting. It doesn't matter if you're Baptist, Pentecostal, whatever. It doesn't matter. But we feel like if we know more about the Bible, that therefore makes us um, uh, more stronger as a Christian. That's not always true. And, and here's why I say that. All right, Because there's, there's a lot of people who have knowledge about the Word. I mean, they know the history. They know everything. They know all the Bible stories. They know this person in the Bible. I mean, they know the most just minute of details about God's Word. But here's the deal. If they can't live it out, there's a disconnect then. There's a huge disconnect. So we can't always look at knowledge, and knowledge is important, right? But it is not the cornerstone. It is not revelation. Revelation is this. Listen, we can read the Bible through and through and get no revelation. But you can read a sentence, you can read a, a, you know, a scripture, a chapter, whatever, and it just comes alive and it speaks to you. Well, that's what we're really after, amen? It's not quantity it's quality so religious knowledge can never replace revelation remember the scriptures are alive they're not just it's not just print on pages so the scriptures are also useful for a pastoral setting and uh, when we look at second timothy remember paul's writing this to timothy it's a pastoral letter he's giving timothy advice he's giving pointers on how to pastor the people he's pastoring Ironically enough, later on, Timothy is the one who pastors the church of Ephesus. Second 
Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. I had someone the other day tell me, I don't believe in doctrine. I don't believe in doctrine. You, because clearly, those Scriptures are profitable for doctrine. Remember, we had something called the Apostles' Doctrine, the Apostles' Teaching. All right, so it is the inspiration of Scripture is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. We don't like those words either, do we? But for instruction in righteousness, all right, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So the Scriptures are God's revelation of Himself to mankind and serve as vital functions, as we said. The establishment of doctrine for surely is one. But let's just go past those. Let's focus on the other one. And that is for the instruction in righteousness. And righteousness, you know, we understand that we are, we are the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. We are made righteous through Christ. But sometimes we stop there and we, we kind of end that statement. It goes beyond that. We've, we are made right so that we can live right as well. So that we can continue in right relationship with God. It just doesn't stop there. We're made righteous and we go do whatever we want. We go sin and do it and we still go to heaven. No, 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 that's not the way it is. We serve a holy God. The Word gives us instructions in how to live right. So while we read the Bible, study the Bible, memorize the Bible, quote the Bible, whatever we want to do, the purpose is not knowledge, the purpose is discipline. It's discipline. It's not more knowledge, it's discipline. Here, it's submission and obedience to God's Word. James 1.22, but be doers of the Word. Not only, not hearers only, deceiving yourself. So at the end of the day, Scripture, scripture is, be, is meant to be put into action. Now listen, take off the facade. It's not about a religious facade. It's not playing a part. It's about being real with God, real with His Word, letting it challenge us, let it be a reflection of who we are. And when it comes down to the rubber hits the road, we are called not just to be hearers of the Word, attenders, we are to put things into place. Amen? We are doers of His Word. So the real benefit of Scripture is really putting the words of Scripture in action. Look what Jesus said here in uh, Luke eleven twenty eight. But He said, more than that, blessed are those who hear the Word of God and keep it. We're most blessed when we not only hear the Word of God, but we also keep it. Puts ourselves in a position to hear God is so key. It's the first step. But the next step is always obeying the Word of God, doing what the Bible calls us to do. Look, just to kind of reiterate it, to see as a, a theme throughout Scripture, 1 John chapter 5, verses 2 and 3, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep all His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. So we know that we love God, or we, are, we, we personify that, we show the love of God that we, by keeping His commandments. We don't just read the Word, gather information, we let the Word of God read us. We let the God, Word of God speak to us. We allow the Holy Spirit to take the Word of God and challenge us. And then He empowers us and enables us to live out that Word. And so, see, this is the confusion I think some people have with Pentecostals. Well, you're all about works, you're all about doing. But listen, we can't do without the Holy Spirit. It's impossible. That's religious. That gets nasty. That gets legalistic. But when our hearts are pure, when we're laid bare, we humble ourselves before God. We say, God, I see this in your word. Boy, I'm falling short in this area. Will you help me? Because I can't do it myself. You're coming to God with a pure heart. And listen, God is attracted to humility. He gives us grace. Amen? 
but he also enables us, he empowers us, he quickens us, and we can live the Word of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. The success of this discipline is when we move from hearing to doing. Look at Hebrews 4.12. For the Word of God is living and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing, I, I can just, I love this verse, and that's why I bring it up often in my messages. Piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. The Word of God will divide what your feelings are, what you think, your will, and it will separate them from your, the, the spirit within you, born again. It will cut those two in half for you. The Word of God is so sharp, it's living, it will penetrate your inner being. It will separate the two for you. Soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and look at this, here it is. This is the reason why, because it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. That's, and this is what makes sometimes us uncomfortable about reading the Word of God, especially if we know we're not doing the right thing. We don't want to read the Word of God because the Word of God will read us. And what we feel like is we feel conviction, but sometimes we confuse conviction for condemnation. What God is trying to do is reveal to us and to our inner being that, hey, you're falling short. But listen, you can always get back. Remember, the difference between conviction and condemnation is so great, but if you're in the wrong space, you can confuse the two. Listen, con condemnation says there is no hope for you. You can't get back, but conviction says there's always a way back. Return to me. Repent. So the Word of God is meant to be read, pondered, and then put into action. So when is the last time you've opened the Word of God, the Holy Spirit spoke to you, it penetrated your inner being, challenged you, and revealed truth to you, and then when is the last time when that revelation took place that you put it into action? So our relationship with the Word of God correlates directly with our relationship with God. So our relationship with the Word of God directly correlates with our relationship, our overall relationship with God. Are you following me? In the beginning, John 1, 1, in the beginning was what? The Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. Let's just stop here. Go to verse 14. The Word became flesh, made His dwelling among us. So if there's... Go back to verse 1. Let's read it this way. We know who the Word is, right? So in the beginning was Jesus. And Jesus was with God. And Jesus was God. That's how you have to read that verse. Jesus was with God in the beginning. Through Jesus, all things were made. Remember, when God spoke, God spoke the worlds into existence, created the heavens and filled the earth. He spoke through His Word. So you, the Word of God is vital to your relationship with God. You can't get past it because the Word is God. The Word is God made flesh. Jesus, when you, well, I wonder what God is like. I wonder what God is thinking. I wonder what God would do. You know what He would do. Open up the Gospels. His name is Jesus. He personifies the Word of God. John 5, 19. Then Jesus answered and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son of God can do nothing of Himself, but what He sees the Father do, for whatever He does, the Son also does in like manner. The Word of God is Jesus, who became flesh, lived among us. He, he's given us a living example of His Word. So that's why Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the Word, I came to fulfill it. Because he is the Word. So if we have a rocky relationship with the Bible, our relationship with the Word, 
directly it relates to our relationship with God. If our relationship with the Word is rocky, guess what? I mean, we can pretend it, we can say everything's good between me and God, but it's not. Because it's directly related to your relationship with God. So the Scriptures are the source, and this is where I want, what are the benefits of the spiritual discipline of the Scriptures? What is the benefit to reading God's Word, studying God's Word, memorizing God's Word, quoting God's Word, meditating on the Word of God? So listen, journaling, when you, when you sit down and write, read the Scriptures, write out what God is speaking to you. All those things have great, great value. It should be practiced consistently. So what's the benefit? Why, why are the Scriptures so important? Here's what I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you a number of benefits. The Scriptures are a source of faith. Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So if we lack faith, we're discouraged, we're weary, we're struggling, guess what we need to do? We need to do exactly what our flesh doesn't want to do. Let's just face it. We get to a bad place. We get down. We, the last thing we want to do on a rainy day is open up the Word of God and read. No, we want to turn on Netflix, right? And binge. That's what our flesh wants to do. This is why it's called a spiritual discipline. See, if we do what our flesh always wants to do, we're going to go the wrong way always. You always have to push back. There's a struggle that takes place. It doesn't happen naturally. Listen, if we think that it's going to, boy, we're fooling ourselves. You've got to push back always. Because the flesh, the flesh is always resistant. So if we lack faith, we're discouraged, we're struggling, reading the Scriptures, meditating on them will boost your faith. Listen, I still, I still go old school. If I'm contemplating a verse, I still get my index card out and I write it out and I take it with me. And I'll pull it out and I'll read it. Sometimes when I'm driving, I'll put it on the dash so I can just look at it. There's been times where I've been driving down the road and I put on my Bible app, plug it into the audio connection. I have the verse there. I just keep hitting the loop, just looping it, just listen to it, meditating on the Word. Just using that time to allow God to speak to me, to get the word into my mind. You say, is that really necessary? Yes, it is. It absolutely is. So whatever you need to do to, to encourage your faith, do so, but it comes by hearing, reading, contemplating the word of God. So if you need to build up your faith, encourage your faith, read the Bible, read it consistently. Number two, the scriptures are a source of wisdom. How many need wisdom? Listen, wisdom is not knowledge, right? 2 Corinthians 3.15 And how from infancy you have made known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Wisdom is not knowledge, is knowledge-based, yes, but wisdom is to be able to put that knowledge into action then. To take faithful action. You know, whenever, think about this. I need wisdom. I need wisdom. Okay, but listen, wisdom is not just to be up here. Wisdom plays out. You have to put it into action. So it goes back again to the purpose of God's Word. It's not just to be meant to be stored up here in spiritual memory banks. It's to be lived out. So true biblical wisdom is, is, not, is, is sound action. It's good judgment. So we all need wisdom. Wisdom begins with quality time in God's Word. Next one. The Scriptures are a source of truth. Or more, now more than ever, we, we need the truth of God's Word. John 17, 17, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Well, you can be in a place where you're confused. You don't know what's going on. You don't know what decisions to make. You don't know if you're up or down. 
But you can always go back to the Word of God because it's truth. The Word of God never changes. When the world starts whispering lies, whatever begins to take place that challenges when your flesh is weak, you can always turn to the Word, which is always truth. John 8.32, the source of Scriptures are freedom. John 8.31 and 32, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I don't know if you notice this, this, but the words disciple and discipline have a share a common root. To be a disciple and discipline will always go together. So true freedom is not doing what we want, when we want, how we want, and still going to heaven. Thank God for His grace. That's not true freedom. That is just a way that we manipulate the Scriptures to do what we want to do to kind of cover our conscience so we still feel good about going to heaven. So we don't receive the grace of God to do what we want, still go to heaven. No, we receive the grace of God, His patience, His long-suffering, His mercy, His, the empowerment of His Spirit to do what He's called us to do. It's not freedom to do what we want, still go to heaven. It's the mercy of God, the grace of God to do what He's called us to do, why He created us for. So true, true freedom is to, to live the Word of God. And we can experience true freedom from our flesh, true freedom from our past, but it all begins with God's Word, our relationship with the Word of God. The Scriptures are a source of spiritual food. Jesus said this, John, Matthew 4, 4. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Likewise, there is a direct correlation spiritually. We get the same way spiritually. When we are hungry, when, when we get a little we get easy, irritated you know, spiritually, when we're not consuming the Word of God, we get irritated easy, we maybe get a little chippy, we get a little frustrated, we get short, we make poor decisions because we're weak, because we're deprived of God's Word. Listen, nourishment, true nourishment for our spirit comes from God's Word. Listen, I, there's nothing wrong with going down the road, listening to worship music. I think there's great things creating atmosphere, but those things can never... Prayer, man, we should pray. I mean, that's another vital, key vital aspect of your relationship with God is your prayer life but it, they cannot replace your relationship with God's Word. Well, I'm not a good reader. Then, listen, find you... I don't get stuck on this. Some people get so stuck on this. But find you a version or a translation of the Bible that you can read with ease then. And if you come to a place where you're confused, say, I don't really get what this is saying, then, then go back to a word-for-word -word translation and compare the two. But for crying out loud, if you don't read good, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Find you a translation of the Bible that you can don't get stuck in religious traditions. That's nonsense. I think there's nothing wrong with hearing it either. You say, well, but don't always fall back on that because at the end of the day, I think you always have to come back to reading it. There's something powerful. There's a mechanic that takes place that cannot be replaced by just hearing. The Scriptures are a source of victory over temptation. Psalms 119.11, Your word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. We would be more successful towards temptation if we took more time in God's Word. Here's what we want to do. We, we want to do this. Temptation shows up on the door, begins to knock. And we think we're going to take it on right there, and we, we fail. And here's why. If we would just took a few steps back before the knock came on the door and spent some time in God's Word and took time hiding His Word in our hearts, when we face temptation, then we are in a much better position than to take it on. Remember this. There's a 100% chance that you are going to face temptation. 100% chance. You are not going to avoid it. So knowing that, you have to prepare your heart for temptation. 
You know it's going to come. Think about Jesus. When Jesus was faced with temptation, what did Satan do? He, he didn't come to Jesus on day one of his fast. Day two, day seven, day 14. No, day 40. He showed up last day, last hour. Now's my time. This is going to be his weakest, most vulnerable moment. If it's ever going to work, if I'm ever going to present temptation that he'll take, it's now. But what did Jesus do? With every temptation, how did he respond? From the Word of God, he didn't have to go calling up somebody, hey, what was that verse? No, he's taking time to put the Word in him. He still deals with all the temptation that we did, but without sin. Satan will, take you, will tempt you when you're weak. And that's why you have to take time to hide God's Word in your heart. Listen, you can be going through an emotional mess, you can be going through a financial mess. You can be going through all kinds of difficulty. But you can be going back to the Word of God. And when temptation arises in those situations, you can be successful. You can have victory. The Scriptures are a source of happiness or blessedness. Luke eleven twenty eight, 28. Jesus replied, But even more blessed are all who hear the Word of God and put it into practice. Blessedness or blessed is often translated also as happy. Now listen, God's, God's goal is not to make us happy. That's not what I'm trying to say. But I'm telling you this, though, that God wants you to live a blessed life, a happy life. It's a, it's a byproduct of the prime product, right? The prime product is our relationship with God. Surrender it to Him. But listen, in the course of that, we will find our, we'll be most blessed, most happy, most content, most at peace when we're serving God, doing what He's called us to do. So the work, two worked hand in hand. But we are going to be more, most blessed, the happiest, when we are living out the Word of God, when we are putting it into practice. The world around you can be falling apart. And you can have so much peace and contentment that it just goes on and you don't even blink an eye. Happiness is, again, it's not just emotion. It's a state of being. And Jesus wants us there. And we'll find that when we put the Word of God into practice. The Scriptures provide us a path towards purity. Psalms 119.9. So how can a young person stay off on the path of purity? By living according to your word. The scriptures give us crystal clear revelation of who God is. Listen, you can't read the word of God and not come to this conclusion. The God that we serve is a holy God. God is immutable. He does not change. He cannot change. So the, the holiness of God will never change. Now, with that in mind, Hebrews 12, 14 says this, Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. You know, we're called to be a pilgrim people, a people that is different, a people called out from this world, not a people who are corrupted or, or convoluted or confused by the world, that when you look at the world, when God looks out at the world, He knows His people, but if He has to strain, right? I'm not sure about that one. Listen, we're missing it. God is holy, and we are called to live holy. Listen, legalism is something a completely separate entity of its own. It's, it's a work of man. But true righteousness, true holiness, is a work of God. There are things that happened in my life when I got saved that I immediately was awake. I was immediately aware that I shouldn't be doing this. I didn't hear a sermon. The pastor didn't have to tell me. Mom didn't have to tell me this. No one had to tell me. I just... Since as I read the Word of God more and more, and I got to understand the nature of God, the character of God, what He wanted out of me, that I said, you know what, I can't do these things anymore. I can't have this in my house. I can't have this in my collection. But see, what happens is we live under this 
this perverted view of grace that says, no, no, it's no big deal. You can still do that and do that and go to heaven. Why is it that that perverted view of grace always brings you to the edge without crossing over? I don't know about you, the grace of God is this, that I can stay away from that edge further and further. Grace allowing me. So God's a holy God. God's a righteous God, and he's called us to live a holy life, and he will enable us, but it goes back to the book. It goes back to the Word of God. The Scriptures are a source of self-diagnosis. So the, the Word of God gives us the ability for a self-examination. Look, go back to this verse, Hebrews 4.12, for the Word of God is alive, it's active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the divine of soul and spirit and joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Anytime you open the Word of God, a, a diagnosis can take place. A spiritual diagnosis can take place. But listen, you, you can do this. You can turn your ears off to God and just read the Word and hear nothing. Or you can do this. God, speak to me today. Speak to me through your Word. Don't in desperation run to the Word. And when God doesn't do what you want Him to do, be upset. Okay? That's why you need to be in the Word. Because often God says, okay, big boy, you got yourself into this mess. We're going to let you swim around a little bit. We're going we're gonna to get you off this, this roller coaster ride. And so don't blame God for that. But what I'm trying to say is this. If you will genuinely sit down, give God quality time, and, and with the right heart say, God, speak to me. That he will speak to you. The Word is alive. It's living. It's active. It will penetrate your inner being. It will give you a self-diagnosis. It will lay it out before you, and then by faith you obey it or not. But remember this, church. It always brings us to this place. We have to be honest before God, and we have to be humble before Him. And when we do so, God can work through a humble heart. The Scriptures are a source of guidance. Psalms 119.015 Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light to my path. If you're ever confused where, where you should go, how you should go, what you need to do, the Word of God will provide a path for you. The Scriptures are a source of spiritual victory. 1 John 2.14 I write to you, dear children, because... You know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know Him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the Word of God lives in you and you have overcome the evil one. Listen, if you need to overcome something, the Word of God is going to be tied in with that. Anytime you're dealing with any type of habit, addiction, thought process, anything, it's going to require heavy doses of God's Word. I don't know about you, but when I've struggled in certain aspects of my life, and I needed to break through, I had to break a way of thinking. You know, as a man thinks, so he is. And so I had to use just massive dose of God's Word, just continually feeding upon it, just cleansing my mind, getting my mind set on things. It's amazing <clears throat> when you set your mind on things, what happens? You know, how random thoughts then come into your life, or how just open doors, temptation just begins to present itself. But when you are mindful and you're consistent in the Word of God, you just shut down those doors. You're not giving, you're not giving the world the, the access that you are. You're shutting and you're giving God that access. The Scriptures are a source of healing. Proverbs 4.20 My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. When we read the scriptures, we understand this. Healing is not just limited to our physical body. That God can provide healing to our minds, to our hearts, 
to our emotions, a complete healing. God can provide it. But listen, you find those promises when you get into the Word of God. The Scripture revealed the healing nature and the promises of God. The Scriptures are a source of joy. This is my last one. Psalms 19.8, The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for the living. The world always offers us a corrupted joy, and it's temporal. It's always temporal. It'll never last. You can never have enough toys. You can never have enough money. You can never have enough vacations. You can never have enough experiences. You can't. They will not bring you joy. They're temporary. It's like Christmas when you're a kid. You're all hyped up. You're amped up. The presents are open, and there's this letdown. Boom. Is that really how you want to live your life? See, the Word of God gives you balance. It gives you the, the balance, the stability, the contentment your heart just longs for. But it begins, again, with opening your Bible, reading your Bible, studying your Bible. That may sound old-fashioned, that may be antiquated, but it still works because the Word of God is still true, and it's still alive, it's still living, it's still active, it still has the power to change our lives. And when you put the two together with the Word of the Spirit, Bubba, it's over. So what's your relationship with the Word of God? What is your relationship with the Scripture? Do you love God's Word? If you say you love God's Word, but you really don't spend time in it, then you don't love His Word. And then we go back to the reality. If we don't love His Word, we don't love Jesus. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this broadcast of Life in the Spirit. If you're not attending a house of worship and you are looking for a church home, I want to invite you to worship with us Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. or join us Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for our family night. Holt Assembly of God is located at 543rd Avenue in Holt, Florida. Until our next broadcast of Life in the Spirit, God bless you as you serve the Lord Jesus with a grateful heart.